This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. and produce life in the church, passion church, the body of Christ. So, you know, I think in, in church life, we've lowered the, the church life activity to, to, to the, the, the minimum. And that is this, that church life activity has been reduced for most of the people in the body of Christ to church attendance. I went to church on Sunday, so I've, I've done my thing. That's church life. You know, I went there. I watched other people sing. I watched other people pray. I watched somebody else preach. And then we went home, and I did it. Come on. But rather than activity being defined by attendance, I suggest that activity should be defined by engagement. By that I mean, are we engaged with one another? Or is there any interaction? Is there any involvement? Is there any investment? Is there anything that, that we are doing together that releases that life that is in the Word, in the Holy Spirit, and in each of us? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Again, the majority of our life-giving activity what is focused around one day, one place, and sometimes one person like it is now, but a few people because we have people who are serving. But it's still just a few people. It's not the body of Christ in its entirety engaging with one another, engaging in a life-giving activity, and that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to look at just five life-giving activities that I think are absolutely clear from the Word of God and essential for there to be life in the church. Because here's the thing I know. If there's life, there'll be growth. You know, we all want to see Passion Church grow. We want to see it grow. I want to see it grow. You want to see it grow. You know, and I'm telling you, there's as many uh, conferences, seminars, books, uh, uh, e-books that you can, I mean, more than you can name, everybody's got their idea and their way of how church is going to grow. This is what you do to grow this church. This is what you do to grow this church. And they all may have some good ideas, but the bottom line is this. If there is life and passion church, it will grow. Amen? Where there's life, there will be growth. So rather than getting all how can we get more nickels and noses in the building? Let's see how we can release more life. What do you think? Amen. So let's look at those things. Turn over uh, to begin with John chapter 13. We'll, we'll start right there. And church life, is a, it begins with relationship building. The unifying effect of love. That's that is the key. <clears throat> Pardon me. John 13. And we're going to read uh, verse 35. Notice what Jesus said. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
Love has a unifying effect. And it is when we are unified that we are most productive. The enemy tries to divide, doesn't he? He tries to divide, even individually. He'll try to divide your loyalty to God with other things, doesn't he? Does me. He'll try to divide your energies. He'll try to divide in any way. You always tell you this, and I'll say it again. I call it biblical mathematics. You want to know who's at work? It's very easy. Just look at the math. If it divides or subtracts, it's the enemy. If it multiplies and adds, it is God. Amen? Because we read over there in Acts that he added daily. In other places you can read, the church was multiplied. But when the enemy's at work, what does he do? He divides. He subtracts. And so we have to start at this place of, this is why it's so important for relationship building. This is why I said you can't, there's only a minimal amount of relationship building that you can do in this kind of setting. This is the reason we have serving teams, teams you can get on to serve. We're going to be starting small groups so that you can connect and build some genuine relationships with people where what you have can be invested in them and what they have can be invested in you. That's where we grow and that's where life comes from. So it starts with the unifying effect. Really, love is the framework of all our activity. Whatever we do, it should be done by the motivation of love, shouldn't it? We got people, uh, you know, taking care of the children and in the nursery today, they're serving because of love. We've got our ushers and security and our worship team and our production team and there's all other teams, prayer team and all. What, what's our motivation for that? It's love, not duty. It's love. That's what motivates us because I'm telling you, duty will wear out after a while. But love never fails. It never fails to motivate. It never fails to encourage. It never fails to strengthen. It never fails to minister to other people. It is a unifying effect of love. So we reach our full potential in passion, church, what? When we come into relationships with one another. That's when our full potential is released. And that's when we see growth. We don't see growth because we've got some clever campaign. Or because the pastor is super-duper-duper-duper, super-duper anointed? (laughs) I got news for you. Passion Church, together, we can release that super-duper-duper-duper anointing. That's where it lies. It doesn't lie just here. It lies out here. But see, it's got to begin with love. Amen? So that's, that's if, if you want to say, what we're talking about, life-giving activity that starts with love. That's the whole framework. Everything else has to, has, to, has to flow from that. That has to be our motivating force. And that's the only thing that can bring us together. Not because, you know, uh, I agree with you on every jot and tittle of Scripture. Oh, my gosh. That's split more churches. Oh, my gosh. Because we have some differing opinions about certain social values or political values. That's not what's going to hold you together. It's not intended to. You can have all those different opinions, but if we love one another, that's what holds us together. That's the glue. Amen? Hallelujah. Relationship building. The second one is by praying. In Matthew chapter 7, you can turn over there if you want to. Matthew 7, 
verse 7 and 8. I'm going to read this. Now, they're going to put it up out of the NIV, but I want to read it out of the New Living Testament. I really like the way it reads here. Prayer. We're talking about life-giving activity. It's prayer. Matthew 7, 7. Listen to this out of the New Living Translation. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Prayer is the life breath of the church, of the individual believer, and of us corporately. And I read this scripture because I believe this is the synopsis about all types of prayer. Ask has to do with petition. That's about my personal needs. God wants you to ask Him about what you need personally for your life, spiritually, physically, financially, socially, for your family. He wants you to do that. He says you ask and keep on asking. He said you're going to get it. Amen? We believe that God hears and answers prayer. Amen? And then seeking, this has to be do with the devotional side of prayer. This is where I get along with God, and I'm seeking to know the mind of God and the heart of God and to be transformed and to hear and recognize the leading of God for my life and for my family. See, that seeking is about devotional. It's about my personal, intimate relationship. That's part of prayer, too. And he said, keep on seeking. Don't just seek one time. You know, when your back's against the wall, it's kind of easy to pray. Amen. Boy, when your back's against the wall, you're like, oh, God. (laughs) Hey. But when everything's going well, that's when you really have to watch yourself and guard your mind and your attitudes and say, I'm going to keep on seeking God. Not only in the tough times when I really need God, but all the time. And then he said, keep on knocking, knocking. This is about intercession. This is about praying for others, praying for your brothers and sisters, praying for our nation and our world. So I I use this because ASK, ask, seek, and knock, it really is a synopsis of the whole spectrum of prayer for my personal needs, for my devotion and growth in relationship with God, and for those I should be praying about of my brothers and sisters, my nation and the world. So he said, if you ask, seek, and knock, he said, it's going to be given to you. And that, that's where life comes from. That's where life comes from. Every one of us have a responsibility here at Passion Church to be praying. Not only for myself and my needs, yes, do that for your family, but also seeking God. God, I want to hear, what, what, what's your will for Passion Church? What's my place at Passion Church? Where do you want me to plug in? Where do you want me to be involved? What, is, what, are, what are the gifts that you've given to me that can enrich what you're wanting to do here? Because there's no part of the body, we know this, the Scriptures teach us, that is not necessary. That is important. That is valuable. That has the life of God in it and to flow from it. So we pray, and this really is the empowering activity of Passion Church, is as we pray. In all three of these realms, we learn to pray. Somebody says, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, here's how you learn to pray. You pray. (laughs) Anybody in here rides a bicycle? Anybody know how to ride a bicycle in here? How did you learn how to ride a bicycle? 
You went on YouTube and got a video. You got, I know, that first bicycle you got on your birthday at Christmas, you read the handbook on how to ride a bicycle that came with it. You know, isn't it interesting that, you know, uh, if, if you buy a coffee pot, they've got a, I mean, man, it's this thick now about how to use it and what it'll do and everything. Or if you, man, if you buy a big screen TV, oh, my goodness. Or if you get, you know, Xbox or, you know, whatever you like to use, PS4 or whatever, you know, it's got a big, but when you buy a bicycle, it don't have anything. No instructions about how to ride it. You know why? You just got to get on and do it. Don't you? Like prayer. Prayer, one of the main ways you learn to pray is you pray. But here's the thing that can help you. If you can get with someone else, maybe who's learned how to praise a little bit further down the road in prayer, then you know what? You get with them, you pray with them, you watch them pray, you listen to them pray, and then you know what? It will speed up your experience in praying. Another reason to come together in small groups. Because doesn't the Bible say, pray ye one for another? Well, how are we going to do that in this setting? That would take up the whole service. But if we were in five, six, seven, eight people together and we were meeting on a regular basis, you could pray for one another in that kind of setting, couldn't you? Absolutely you could. We need to understand that it's the corporate body of Christ is important. It has uh, much value to it. But also, there is prayer that needs to go out for one another out of relationships. It is the empowering activity, and God's will and power is released through prayer, isn't it? You say, boy, I, I just can't wait to see God move more. Well, I'm telling you what, get busy praying. Well, Pastor, I just thought you'd pray it all down. Pray it out, in, out, down, you know. Well, how's that working out? I'm praying, but you know what? If we all pray, we get there faster, don't we? After praying, we're talking again, again, life-giving activity. It's not a program. Program may give structure to things, but programs are not where the life is. The life is in what we're talking about. It's in love. It's in relationships. It's in prayer. Individually and corporately and small groups coming together. And then life, the activity of life is also in serving. I want to read you this again, Ephesians 4. You can turn over there if you'd like to. 16. Listen to this. This is, again, from the New Living Testament. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Now, who's he talking about here? The whole body. Say that with me. The whole body. Say it one more time. The whole body. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. You're here at Passion Church, not by accident, but by the leading of the Spirit of God. You need to settle that. Don't, don't have a nomadic spirit about you. Find the place God wants you, yes. But once you find it, you say, I'm here. There's a place for me. God's fitting me in to Passion Church perfectly. As each part does its own special work, you have a part. God's put something in you, gifting, graces, revelation, love, faith, 
the Spirit of God, all those things are in you and they are to be released in Passion Church for the edification of God's body. To do its own special work. You have a special work God wants to to release through you into Passion Church. Not just the pastor. See, we've almost idolized certain parts of the body. That's all right now is right. That's why we're, we're weaker than God in, intended us to be. There's less life flowing than what God intended to be. Amen. Let me ask you something. Is the Holy Spirit the same in China as in the United States? Is He the same down in New Zealand as He is in Canada? Is the Holy Spirit the same in you as He is in the pastor? Well then, I said, well then, can he do something in you? Can he do something through you? Doesn't he desire for you to do your own special work, just like I'm endeavoring to do my special work, but he's got a special work for you. We're talking about the life-giving activity. He says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Did you know you can help your pastor grow? It's not just me helping you grow. You can help me grow. But not only me, you can help your brothers and sisters to grow. What? As you do your own special part by the the power of the Holy Spirit, the life that's in you. It helps the other parts grow so so that the whole body is healthy. Well, pastor, I just thought, man, you were just going to pray it all down on us. No, we together are going to pray it all down on us. What does he keep saying here? Notice this, his whole body. The whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Oh, hallelujah. I like that, don't you? That's the kind of church I like to be connected to. Isn't that right? That's God's design for us here at Passion Church. When we begin to understand this and, and, and embrace it and begin to take our place, life is going to begin to flow here at Passion Church. And I'm telling you what, we're going to be looking for somewhere to put people because people are attracted to life. Jesus was full of love, of prayer, of the Spirit. He was full of life. And I'm telling you, wherever he went, listen, people were drawn to him like iron filings to a magnet. And where the Spirit of Jesus is, there is life. And where His life is, people are going to flock. Amen. Amen. Your big, our biggest problem will be what to do with them all. Wow. Amen. So serving. This is the nurturing activity of Passion Church. It's to serve. Each one of us are called to serve. We're not called to be bystanders. God doesn't want church fans. He wants a church team. He wants us out on the football field or the soccer field or whatever your sports analogy is. He wants us out there actively engaged. Some may be blocking. Some may be receiving the pass. Some may be throwing the pass. Some may be running the ball. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If each one of us takes our place, what? We become champions. Listen to this. Each part, what did Jesus say over there in John's gospel? He said, 
that out of your innermost being, who's he talking to? He that believes. He's not talking to pastors. He's not saying prophets. He's not saying apostles. He said, he's speaking to this about those who would believe on him. Anybody in here believe on him? He said, out of your innermost being is going to flow what? Rivers of living water. Well, is it? Is it flowing out or have we dammed it up? We're talking about church without walls. You know, all a dam is is a wall, isn't it? Listen to this. Now, you know, uh, when Cindy and I, when we were on the mission field in South America, we were in the, the Amazon basin in the rainforest there, the jungle and everything. And, you know, uh, one of the greatest rivers in the world, the Amazon, the mighty Amazon River, flows for 4,000 miles. Now, here's an interesting note about the Amazon River. It's one of the few rivers in the world there is no bridge that spans it. Shazam, huh? It is enormous. I've flown over it several times. But here's the thing. How did it get to be that size? Here's another interesting fact. 1,100, 1,100 tributary rivers flow into it. That's why it's so big. That's why it's so enormous. That's why it's so powerful. He said, out of your innermost being is going to flow rivers. So what if in Passion Church, your rivers and your rivers and your rivers and your rivers and her rivers and his rivers and my rivers and their rivers all flowed together? Talk about a river of life. We might have something approaching an Amazon. Now, I looked this up. This is interesting. Listen to this. A three-inch pipe can channel 130 gallons of water a minute. An eight-inch, if you just go up to eight inches, it can channel 1,666 gallons a minute. But if you go up to a 12-inch pipe, it's 4,700 gallons a minute. So here's the thing. In the church, what have we got? A three-inch pipe or a 12-inch pipe? See, it's all about what we understand about what the church activity, where does life flow from? It flows from you and I. It flows out of us. Jesus said, out of your innermost being. So here's the thing, though. Are we going to have a three-inch pipe called Sunday morning? I'm endeavoring my rivers to, the gift God's given me, I'm using it, so my rivers are flowing out. But we could equate that to a three-inch pipe compared to all of you. We get a few more involved. We go up to the 8-inch pipe. Guess what? There's more life flowing. But wouldn't it be great to get up to that 12-inch pipe? And could you imagine if we grew beyond that? Think about. See, it's, all, it's not about we got to pray God down. God's down. He's in you. But we've walled Him in by our structures, by our wrong thinking. And sometimes... Don't get mad at me by our laziness. And I have to, to be fair to you, I have to say that that laziness has been encouraged by the structures of the church. Because in some pulpits, they like the idea that, you know, I'm the man. 
I'm God's man of faith and power. Sometimes they're God's man of paste and flour. <laughs> Just depends, doesn't it? But that's not, the, that's not the biblical view. We each have our place. We each have our gift. And if we become that, that, that place where we can release the rivers that's in you, oh, the potential that's in this church is phenomenal. It's mind-blowing. You getting it? Each part releasing the flow of the Spirit. How do you do that? By serving, connecting relationships, serving, getting on one of our our serve teams, getting connected with our small groups when we start that, ministering to one another, using the gifts that God's given you, using the faith He's given you in your prayer closet and your prayer time. Then giving. I want to read this. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 8. I'm going to read this out of the, the new li- or out of the message. Listen to this. Paul's talking about giving. He's writing to the Corinthian church. And he, he, he's talking to them in, in, in chapter 8. He's talking to them here about, you know, preparing and, and giving. And he's talking about, he said, just as you excel in all the other gifts and graces of God. And we know they did, didn't they? Paul says you come behind in no gift. That's what he told the Corinthian church. As a matter of fact, he's, it's the only church that had so much of the flow of God going on that Paul had to write to them and tell them how to use it properly. Boy, I'd much rather have that than I had trying to raise the dead. Huh? I mean... You know, he wrote some amazing letters to other churches, but this was the only church where they had, there was such a release of the Spirit flowing out of them that he said, man, he said, that's great. But he said, now, here's the thing. We want to use it rightly. Isn't that right? A flow of water is good when it's, what, when it's channeled correctly. I don't want to dam it up, but I don't want it to just flood everything either. So he's talking to them about this grace of giving. He said... He said about their desire to give. He said it was totally spontaneously, entirely your own idea, and it caught us completely off guard. Wow, how about that? Paul caught off guard. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God. The other giving simply flowed out of their purposes of God working in their lives. The gifts and abilities that God has put within you, you know what? When you give yourself to God, say, God, I'm yours. I don't know if you young people understand this, lock, stock, and barrel, that means completely. I date myself sometimes. I'm, I'm completely yours. He said, when you, when, he said they first gave themselves to God. When you, listen, when you've given yourself to God, I mean everything that you are, all that you are, all that you have, you've given it to God. When God asks you for something, it's easy to give. But when you've got a part you're holding back, remember Ananias and Sapphira? They, 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 they wanted to hold a part back. It wasn't, God wasn't mad because... They, it wasn't the money itself that was the issue. Because Peter said, he said it was yours before you sold the property. And he said, after you sold the property, it was all yours. 
He said it was what the heart attitude that he was concerned about. That you have not given your heart totally and completely to God. So in holding back a portion, it really represented a portion of their life that they were holding back. Now here's the thing. Liken the church to uh, an automobile that, you know, we're all riding in. One person gets out and gets behind it to push it, and six people stay in the car. And not only that, the driver's got his foot on the brake. Oh, boy, this is so hard. Man, this is hard. Man, I'm telling you what, pushing cars is hard work. I'm telling you, you know, church is hard work. It's so hard. It's hard. Man, it's so hard to grow into this. Man, it's so hard. You know why? It's because one person's pushing, six people are sitting in there riding, and one's got his foot on the brake. (laughs) What if everybody but one driver got out and was pushing, and the driver had it out of gear or in neutral? All of a sudden, our perspective on how hard it is to push a car would change. This is not so bad. I mean, yeah, we're still having to work, but man, this is, you know, this is not too bad. See, we have done church the wrong way for so long. We think, oh, it's hard. Oh, it's tough. I mean, man, if you, th- you don't think, I'm not just talking about you know, uh, the members, I mean, if you, if you get around a group of pastors where it's just pastors, oh, me, you never had heard such a bunch of sad sack stories. Oh, it's hard, brother. How's it going? Oh, it's hard. Your people got, no, none of my people are coming. Oh, it's hard. Oh. You know, we're doing, because we're doing it wrong. If, you know, I know it's simple, but, you know, if we just follow God's plan, it's a whole lot easier, isn't it? It's easier if we do it together the way God designed it than it is if two or three of us are trying to do it all. Listen to what he said here. You do so well in so many things. You trust God. Boy, you're people of faith. You're articulate. You prophesy. You're insightful. You have revelation of God's will and scriptures. You're passionate. You love us. Now, do your best in this too. In giving what? First yourself. First yourself. You, see, Jesus said the greatest indicator that God has got a hold of your heart is what? That you serve. You serve. You're servant. You serve Him. You serve people. You serve your brothers and sisters. Amen? Love serves. Selfishness wants to be waited on. Enough said, right? Myself equals what? My time, my talents, and my treasure. When He say, I'm going to give myself to God, you know what that means? That's going to include my time. That's going to include my talents, whether spiritual or natural, and that's going to include what? My money. All right, enough said about that. And then finally, I, put, I, I call it this telling. T 
telling. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, go out and train everyone you meet, far and near. And this way, and this, go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life. In this way of life. Not in this way of doctrine. Not this way in dogma. Not this way in, y'all going to hell. But he said, in this way of life. Life. What are we carrying? Life. What do we have to give? Life. Jesus said, I come that you might have, not judgment, life. Life. You know, when people are presented with life, they know immediately whether or not they got it or not. You know, I've shared this with you before. You know, uh, treasury agents and bank tellers, you know, uh, to, to be able to spot counterfeit money, they don't you know, look at every example of counterfeit money that's ever been printed up and tried to pass. You know what they do? They study the real. And they become so familiar with that which is real, they immediately spot the counterfeit. If in the church, individually and collectively, if we begin to give them the real life, the real truth, they will immediately recognize they're living the counterfeit. Are you listening? People are looking for peace, for joy, for forgiveness, for purpose, for love, for belonging, for direction. And we want to give them a program, a dogma. Telling, declaring the gospel to others. He said, train them in this way of life. He said, then instruct them in the practice of all that I've commanded you. telling, declaring the gospel to others, making disciples. Timothy, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy this way. He said, what you've heard and seen and received to me, he said, give it to others who can give it to others. And see, that happens one-on-one. We talked about this last week in the activity and in small groups. That's where it happens the best. And it happens outside the walls of the church. That's why we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, knocking down, breaking out, coming out of the walls of the church, a a church without walls. And, you know, we may have to break out some wrong thinking that's become a wall, that's separated us, and has kept the message in us hidden from those who need it. We've got to change our way of seeing how we do church. And understand that what we're experiencing now, this is a part of church. It's not the whole enchilada. Church is not one person talking to people, sitting in rows. That's not the whole of church. That's a part. And it is a a small part when compared to the whole. Is it needed? Yes. Is it right? Yes. But listen, we can't let it start and stop here. Because if we are, you know what? We're going to stay where we are or we will diminish. It's only where life is flowing is there going to be growth. And it's only where life is going is, is flowing from the church, Passion Church, that others can receive this life. Here's the thing. You say, I don't know how to testify. I don't know how to witness to people. Listen, just give them what you got. 
Just give them what you got. Don't forget the Holy Spirit's at work with you. Man, when I was being witnessed to, I, I didn't know the difference between Job and a job. I mean, it looked to me the same. I didn't know, you know. And, and, you know, he didn't try to explain all the, you know, the, you know, the theology of salvation to me and everything. He began to share with me that God loved me. And that he proved that love by sending his son. And then his son proved that love by going to a place called Calvary. And now there was an open invitation for me to be a part of God's plan and God's family. And I was like, dog. Sounds good to me. He didn't say, okay, now stop, stop your drugs, stop your boozing, get your hair cut. That hair down here back then. I, I really had some hair at one time. I really did. I just, you know what? I got life. And when life came into me, you know what I did? I got rid of the drugs. I got rid of the alcohol. God cleaned me up. Come on. Why? Because I got life. I didn't get judgment. I didn't get rules and regulations. I got life. I got life. Let me give you some action points, and then we're going to have the, the Lord's communion together. Let me ask you this. Ask yourself, am I an attender or engaged at passion as a part of Christ's body? You know, if you want to become engaged, we've got ways for you to do that. Absolutely. You can be part of one of our service teams. You can get information about how to, to join that at, the, at our info table on the way out. You know, we, we, we want to. You say, well, I don't know if I'm qualified. Well, uh, if you're a believer and you're breathing, you're qualified. You say, boy, y'all sure have low qualifications, don't you? Well, listen, if God says you're qualified, who am I to say you're unqualified? You ever run into those people, you know, that are more righteous than God and holier than God? Boy, I'm telling you, it's tough. It's tough to measure up, isn't it? It's tough to be perfect every minute of every day. Are you trying that? How's that working out for you? That's tough, isn't it? See, I, I know because I'm a perfectionist by nature. Some of you might can relate to that. It's, it's, boy, you, you let yourself get into that, it's hard. See, that's, that's an area where I have to fight the good fight of faith. But see, if you want to, you know, are you engaged? You can be on one of our service teams. Here's the thing. Think about this. Now, you think about qualifications, okay? Here's Peter. He's a fisherman. Now, what does he know about believing Christianity, following Jesus, or anything? Here was his conversion experience. Jesus gave him a boatload of fish. He said, Jesus, get away from me. I'm a sinner. Well, Jesus hadn't preached one word to him about being a sinner. Had he? See, we understand that the Holy Spirit's involved in this. Jesus said, Peter, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you're going to give up your fishing now. He said, you come follow me. All of a sudden, he was qualified. Hey, if you have an issue with it, talk to Jesus. 
I'm just a reporter. Decide today to become engaged participant at Passion Church because life flows when each part is engaged. We're talking about the church without walls, without boundaries, whether they be uh, dogma or programs or our customs or our traditions or the way we've structured things or the way we've thought about the church. We, you and I, we are the church, Passion. There's rivers flowing out of you that we need to tap into. Wouldn't it be great if we became an Amazon? Wow. Touching so many lives. Not because we figured it all out, but because what? We became engaged with God and with His people. And it just began to flow out of us. Amen. Well, we're going to participate now. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.